0: Hey, everybody, it's your host and game master for the Nature of My Game podcast, Eric Priester. Welcome to Season 2. Before we get started, I want to take a moment to just say thank you so much to everyone who has listened so far. The response to Season 1 has been amazing, and I can't tell you how grateful I am to everyone who has given us a shot. If you haven't listened to Season 1 and found your way to this episode some other way, you can certainly start here if you want to. Season 2 is a new story told by a new cast and with a new game. You can always go back to Season 1 if you like what you hear. For the second season, we chose to play my personal favorite role-playing game right now called Delta Green, written by Dennis Detwiller, Christopher Gunning, Shane Ivey, and Greg Stoltz, and published by Arc Dream Publishing. The story for this season is based on the first scenario of a multi-part campaign written by Dennis Detwiller called Future Perfect. Before we dive in, I want to give a huge, huge, huge shout-out to the cast for this season. Marshall Beck Speckett, who plays Ben McKissick, Sarah Lovejoy, who plays Portia Marks, and Nick Ong, who plays Sonny Lau. They were all amazing, and this season would be nothing without them. I also want to give another shout-out to Jean-Luc Bouchard, who composed and produced our intro music. For those who would like to learn more about the Nature of My Game podcast, you can find us at Nomg Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, or at NOMGpodcast.com. And if you haven't left us a review yet on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, we'd really appreciate it. Reviews, especially if you write briefly about what you like about the podcast, go such a long way toward encouraging others to give us a listen. And now, with no more ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy the first episode of Season 2, Highway to Hell. Prologue. Hellbend, California. March 5th, 2016. Clifford Potter knew everyone thought he was crazy. Sure, they didn't say it. Hellbend was too small of a town to say anything like that directly. It would cause too much awkwardness. But he could see it in the way they looked at him. He could see it in the way they nodded and smiled when he told them he was going to be rich. They thought he was crazy, but he was going to be rich, and then they'd see. He turned off the bobcat he had rented from the gas and sip and hopped down, taking a quick look at the hand-drawn map he pulled from his pocket. He muttered to himself, Well, if, if that's there, and over there is where I found those copper pipes, then that must mean... His voice trailed off as he looked up and squinted, trying to look across the desert, but he could barely see as the setting sun shone right into his eyes. He thought he had heard something. It sounded like something moving across the desert, but no one ever came out here. He could count on one hand the number of times he had seen another person when he was out at the old hunt plant, and he had been coming here for more than two years. He had probably just been hearing things. Clifford took a shovel out from the back of the bobcat and walked over to a particularly distinct length of destroyed fence that once surrounded the plant. He took one large step after another, using his strides to measure out the distance from the fence toward the plant itself. 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. He found the spot he was looking for, and marked a large circle around the area using his shovel. Then he started to work, moving rubble and debris piece by piece out of the circle, careful to leave a pathway for the bobcat when he was ready for it. By the time he was finished, dusk had fallen. Clifford walked back over to the bobcat and tossed the shovel back up onto the seat. Even though it was getting dark, he didn't want to wait. He had studied the area, and he felt sure this time. He knew where to dig, and he was going to find it, and then they wouldn't think he was crazy anymore. Clifford was momentarily lost in his own thoughts, thinking about the look on the faces of the rest of Hellbend when he came back and told them what he had found, that it took him a minute to register what he was hearing. A chill ran down his spine as he looked over his shoulder, and in that moment, Clifford Potter knew he would never have a chance to prove he wasn't crazy. Our story starts early in the morning of May 9th, 2016, and we're in a dark apartment. It's early in the morning, 4.15 a.m. in Portland, Oregon, and we see a man sitting at his desk typing at a laptop. Vex, will you tell us a little bit about this man and what he looks like and what he's doing?
1: Sure. This man is Ben McKissick. He is a journalist and aspiring novelist, and he is um, generally awake at at this time. Um, and on this particular night, he's awake, uh, staring at a word document that contains his half finished sci fi novel.
0: Nice. And so, you know, you're you're clicking away on the keyboard. Uh, you know, writing something, deleting it, shaking your head uh, in frustration at, at what you've written, and uh, the the text message sound on your phone pings, um, and you look down, and it's a text from your editor at the New York Times, and he says, uh, "Ben, when you wake up, uh, give me a call. I've got a I've got a lead for you." Um, I I sent him a return text saying,
1: "You know I'm up." What's going on?
0: All right. So he, you, uh, you immediately see your, your phone light up, uh, and he, he is, uh, he's calling you and you, uh, you answer and he, he hops right in and says, Ben, you really need to take care of yourself, but I guess that's, I guess that's why you're the best in the business. We got a scoop that I want you to check out. There's a, there's a small town in death Valley national park. Uh, population is like 82 people. Uh, it's called Hellbend, California. Really sounds like a good story. Doesn't it already? Uh, it used to be the site of, um, Hunt Electronics, which was called Hunt Electrodynamics then. Uh, and I said the population was 82, but two months ago it was 84. There are two people that have been killed in this tiny little run-down town of Hellbend. They were killed in the same violent style. Sounds exciting, right? Small-town serial killer? Uh, but as you know, in that part of the country, people, of course, are talking government conspiracy, alien technology, that the victims got too close to things like that. Uh, so I want you to go go check it out. It seems like something that you could put a real a real nice spin on. Yeah, sounds right up my alley, to be honest. Yeah, so maybe you should uh, maybe you should get some sleep uh, and then head out there later today.
1: I make no promises, but I'll try.
0: Sounds good, and he hangs up and you sit there for a second and, uh, just consider the situation and out of habit, um, you know, a pretty, a pretty, a relatively new habit for you, but out of habit, you click over to your email and click into the, into the spam folder. And sure enough, you see an email that looks like a flyer that was made on Microsoft word. Uh, and at the top in like, Green letters, like like Comic Sans font, uh, you see it says, Join us for a night at the opera, Green Street Theater in Independence, California. Tickets available at the box office. Uh, and then below that, there's a web address that says www.greenstreettheaterindependence.com. And you know that, um, and you had an inkling of this right when you heard the strangeness of the, the lead that was given to you you know that this is an email from an organization that you have been recruited to an organization you've been a part of for a few years now, uh, that, you know, only as the program. And so, you know, based on the training that you've been given, you click the link and there is, you know, a really rudimentary website that was created. It, it, all of the style looks similar to the email. Uh, but there's an address for the box office, which is not in Independence, California, Uh, but is in fact in Sacramento, California, or actually just outside uh, in Elk Grove, California. And then there's a little text underneath that says opens at 5 a.m. And you would know that this is uh, the program telling you that you're supposed to meet at this address at 5 a.m. the next day, not not 5 a.m. like 45 minutes from now, but 5 a.m. the following day. And so do you try to get any sleep? Do you wrap up your work or do you keep plugging away for a little while?
1: yeah i am not really feeling uh feeling tired generally when I get a scoop um my first instinct is to start doing research um so i'm instead of getting some sleep uh as my editor wanted i am uh googling hellbend california and um trying to to get a grasp of um what stuff has already been uh been written, um, so I click, you know, over to the uh, the Google News tab and and just try to see like what's what's already out there.
0: Gotcha. And so you would also know, and but before we get into kind of what the what information you find, you know, you're in Portland, you need to be at, in Sacramento by 5 a.m. the next day. So there's also going to have to be some travel planning that happens for you today. Um, but you can think about that as we move forward a few hours, uh, still early on May 9th. Uh, But not quite as early. The sun has risen. um, And we are on the beach in the Bay Area in California. And a woman is just uh, getting out of the ocean water, having taken kind of a long exercise swim. Sarah, tell us a little bit about uh, who this person is.
2: Yeah, so this is Portia Marks, sort of new to the Bay Area. Um, 36... Kind of average size and build doesn't look like she'd be strong, but can be surprising. Um, I don't know, brown hair, <laughs> imposing sort of like an intimidating person, but um, sort of mysterious as well. Wouldn't be easy to know like what her background is or anything like that.
0: Cool. All right. So you walk back over through the sand uh, to where you had left your towel and some of your things. You do this every morning. uh, So this is all kind of part of your routine. Um, And you see on your phone that you have a voicemail and a missed call from your assistant uh, who's based in D.C. So it's three hours ahead there. Uh, You have an assistant that works at the uh, Defense Intelligence Agency headquarters who uh, who left you a voicemail.
2: So instinct is to listen to it right away, but I'm trying to be more thoughtful. So she kind of makes herself like towel off, walk up to the house, and then once in the house, um, listens to that voicemail.
0: Excellent. And so it's your assistant. He just says, uh, "Portia, good morning. I've got some. I've got a, a, some information for you. A new case. Uh, give me a call as soon as you get this."
2: So I give him a call.
0: All right. So your assistant tells you um, that you received a request early this morning from an agent, Kevin Slotkin, from the Bakersfield FBI office uh, to consult on a case. And you do this occasionally, especially uh, now that you're based in California and your role has shifted to a more managerial role at the DIA, you will still occasionally consult on uh, cases for some of the law enforcement agencies, uh, specifically the FBI. Um, And you're supposed to meet at 10 a.m. the following day at the Bakersfield office. Um, the, the Bakersfield FBI office.
2: But I'm not supposed to call him before then. I just meet him there. And then?
0: Yeah, you'll, you'll be briefed on the case when you arrive there.
2: My time is my own until 10 a.m. the next day, though.
0: Yeah, I mean, and Bakersfield is not, you know, right there. Um, it's, it would be, uh, probably a five-hour drive or so to get to Bakersfield. So it's, it's up to you, you know, what plans you want to make. So what do you do with, with kind of the rest of your morning?
2: I'm going to just do the same thing I always do. Again, part of living in this area is having a more balanced life, um, you know, keeping work and personal life healthy as possible. Um, So stick to the routine I've made for myself, you know, make some breakfast, study my languages a little bit, and then I do have a family member that I visit each day. So I definitely would make sure to do that and um, let her know that I might not be visiting for a few days.
0: Gotcha. So when you go outside and you, um, go to your car to head out, uh, to visit your family member, there's a flyer, uh, sitting underneath the windshield wipers and you, you pull it out and it's, uh, very rudimentarily designed. looks like it was made in Microsoft word that says, join us for a night at the opera green street theater in Bakersfield tickets available at the box office. Um, And then there's a web address below that, that's www.greenstreetoperabakersfield.com.
2: Fabulous. So, Portia is not the kind of person who would ever, like, jump in the air and click her heels or something, but inside, that's sort of the reaction of, like, had been waiting for this flyer to appear.
0: Yeah, so you go to the website, and you find, not that you know it, but you find the same website that, that Ben found And it gives a box office address in Elk Grove, California, um, which is much closer to you actually than Bakersfield. Uh, It's that it's only about an hour away. And it says that the box office opens at 5 a.m., which you know is your sign that you are to meet your program handler at 5 a.m. at whatever this address is. Uh, Meanwhile, same early morning time at a beach farther south on the California coast in San Diego is a man out on the waves surfing in the morning. Uh, Nick, tell us a little bit about this character.
3: Yeah, out on the waves this morning, just like, uh, just like every morning pretty much, we've got Special Agent Sonny Lau. Um, he's a CIA case officer, been pulled out of the field for the last couple of years, though. Been kind of uh, stationed at his own home desk, uh... Stuck watching videos, uh, and doing remote analyst work instead of, uh, being out in field where he wished he could be, but yeah, he's out there, uh, catching some waves for his, uh, his morning surf, like he does every day.
0: Awesome. So after you finish up with your surfing for the morning, you're feeling refreshed, you're feeling alive, you get back to, um, your towel and your things, uh, and you have two phones, uh, sitting in a bag or on the, on the, on the towel. And you see a little flashing light on both of them uh, that says that you have a text message. One of those is your personal phone, and then one is your far more encrypted uh, work phone. Uh, which one do you check first?
3: You know, it's still the, still the early morning. Um, doesn't think any work things were supposed to come in yet, so he checks his personal phone.
0: All right, so would you read what that text message says to us?
3: Claim your opera tickets, and join us for a night at the opera at Green Street Opera House in Bakersfield. Tickets can be picked up at the box office. Further information at www.greenstreetoperabakersfield.com. Reply stop to unsubscribe.
0: All right, so again, you know what this means. Uh, you know what organization is contacting you through this text message. Um, do you go to the website, or do you look at your work phone?
3: Yeah, I think, uh, I get a little kind of butterflies in my stomach for a second, get a bit excited. Um, my dog, uh, Duke is sitting there next to me, kind of look at him, give him a quick little smile and, uh, and yeah, I open the, open the website.
0: All right. So on the website, it's a, it's a, it's a very sloppily, um, sloppily made website that, um, again, you don't know this, but, uh, Portia and Ben have both seen already. And it lists the address for the box office in elk grove california and says opens at 5 a.m which means that you are to report to that address at 5 a.m the following day
3: yeah uh again uh i know pretty much exactly what that means i think and pretty happy about it um time to to gather up my things to get home start getting ready leash duke back up wrap up my uh, my towel and things and uh and start heading up the
0: beach. All right. So as you're heading up the beach, you hold your work phone up to your face uh, and it does a facial scan. And then you have two different fingerprint IDs that you need to do. Uh, one thumb and, and a middle finger, and then a pin that you put in. Um, and there's one text on your phone that just says call in.
3: Oh yeah. Kind of a, take a deep sigh there. Maybe, Tiny bit worried, you know, I don't think the, uh, my, my handler at the CIA knows about my, my Delta green, uh, previous endeavors. So, uh, worried that maybe these things might get in the way of each other. Tell myself it can wait for a minute. So Duke and I, you know, we start maybe a little, little jog to get back home quick. And, uh, can I check the, I, I get everything, uh. Situated back at home, get some food and some water for Duke, uh, and then, uh, decide to step outside and
0: call in. Excellent. So you call the number that, you know, you're supposed to call on this phone. And, uh, after a couple of rings, it picks up and you just hear a robotic voice say, report to Bakersfield FBI office at 10 AM, May 10th. Contact is ASAC Kevin Slotkin. That's Slotkin, S-L-O-T-K-I-N. And then it hangs up. And so again, that's tomorrow. Um, so you know you're supposed to report to Bakersfield at 10 a.m. the following day, uh, but you also know from the text that you got on your personal phone that you are to report at uh, 5 a.m. Uh, in outside of Sacramento and Elk Grove uh, the following day as well. So, Ben, back to you. You know, it's, it's, you started to do some research about uh, Elk Grove, or sorry, not about Elk Grove, about um, Hellbend, California. There are no news articles that you find, so it doesn't seem like anyone has really taken much notice to these two deaths uh, yet in Hellbend. Um, but you do find a little bit of information about the city itself. It is situated in Death Valley National Park. It's part of Inyo County, California. And it was, um, you know, maybe 60 years ago, a pretty vibrant company town uh, where most of the, you know, at that time, 4,000 residents all worked for a company called Hunt Electrodynamics. And you actually recognize this name. Hunt Electronics is a relatively popular electronics brand you've heard of but you don't know much about the origins of the company or that you didn't know that it used to be called Hunt Electrodynamics. But now it has because the um the headquarters of Hunt Electrodynamics have been moved the town seems to really have fallen apart. Um, The website that you find has the population listed at 84 people. It seems on google maps that there's a gas station called the Gas and Sip Uh, but other than that there really is very little there. So what do you kind of do with um, the rest of your morning, your day in preparation for being in Elk Grove at 5 a.m. the next day?
1: The first thing I do is um, try to decide whether it makes more sense for me to fly or to drive. And doing a bit of research, it seems like it would be quite a long drive. So... The first thing I'm going to do is um, is to book a flight, so I need to figure out what the closest airport to Hellbend is. Yeah,
0: so because you know you're supposed to be in Elk Grove at 5am, um, you can fly to Sacramento to be in Elk Grove, and then from there, you know, it's, it's a still a pretty far away from Hellbend there, but you know you have to be there to... To meet with your contact uh, for the program first, and so you can fly to Sacramento.
1: So I book a flight. Um, I book a flight to Sacramento um, for um, for tonight, so that I can get in a little early and um, kind of get situated before you know before the early morning.
0: Sounds good. And then, is there anybody that you reach out to to let them know that you're leaving, um, or you just kind of pack up and get ready to go? Yeah,
1: I called Jessica, who is my uh, ex-girlfriend and the mother of my daughter, Olive. And I let her know that I'm going to be out of town for a few days. Olive stays with Jessica uh, most of the time. And she comes to my apartment um, to stay, you know, for generally about a a weekend a month. um, But there's not really a set schedule. Um, It's generally just when, when I'm not busy with work and this isn't really out of the ordinary. So Jessica just kind of rolls her eyes and says, all right, you know, let us know when you, uh, when you get back.
0: Sounds good. And so then, uh, Portia, um, what does the rest of your day look like as you prepare to, prepare to meet up in Elk Grove the following morning?
2: Sure. So, um, again, kind of Forces herself to slow down almost. Kind of do the things that she would normally do in a day. Um, Definitely goes to visit her mother as she does every day. And while there, um, lets her know that she probably won't be visiting for a few days. Which is, you know, fine and normal. and Is how work might normally operate. Um, Also sends a text or a voice memo actually. Sends a voice memo to her dad. Letting him know that she has gotten a call, will be working and won't be able to visit her mom. So he needs to be more in touch um, with, you know, everything that's required for her care. Then also already kind of has a bag ready to go for jobs like that or just for work in general. So quickly packs up that bag, um, has a bracelet that is important to her. That's the only thing that maybe changes from a typical workday that she throws that in her bag as well. Um, and does make that drive, um, locks up her house, has a pretty high tech security system, locks that up and hits the road.
0: Gotcha. So are you going to get a hotel room for, for, um, the evening before you have to meet up at 5am the next day, the hotel somewhere in Sacramento?
2: Yeah, it's ready to hit the road. So definitely does that so that she can, can be there early.
0: Gotcha. Sounds good. Um, and then Sunny, uh, what does the rest of your day look like as well?
3: Yeah. The rest of the morning. Uh, so yeah, it's still pretty, pretty early when, when I've gotten back in, um, have seen both the, the work in, and Delta green message, try and spend the morning deciding what exactly my, my plan could be not sure it's possible to depending on what, what there is waiting for me in Sacramento. Uh, not sure that making it to Bakersfield is a, uh, is a possibility. So trying to figure out the, uh, sort of excuse that he can have to to get out of that.
0: You also would know that the fact that you were called to Bakersfield uh, as a consultant and the fact that Bakersfield was the location named in the text that you got makes you think that the program has probably facilitated you being assigned to this case. And so you, you actually think that it's, it's the same thing.
3: That makes way more sense. <laughs> yeah okay we know that we'll have to either take a flight out uh late tonight or uh extremely early tomorrow morning checking the flights uh to to get to we're still going to sacramento yeah that's where we have to be going to, yeah that, you'll, go to,
0: you'll go to sacramento first um before you'll go to sacramento basically for and this is for for both you and porsche though though she doesn't know or that you don't know that you're both on this together at this point but You'll go to Sacramento first to meet your Delta Green contact, and then from there, go to Bakersfield uh, to meet your FBI contact, right? Because it's, one is the official mission and one is the non-official mission. You can decide which one you think is official and which one is not official, but <laughs> right. but uh, you, you have a 5 a.m. meeting in Sacramento, and then it's about a four-hour drive, and then a 10 a.m. meeting in Bakersfield.
3: Gotcha, well, Nick is incredibly annoyed at the, uh, the back and forth travel. <laughs> um, but, um, go about my day kind of, uh, as normal as I can. Um, I, I've got a, uh, few work assignments to get done that morning. So I knock those out. Don't really have to worry about packing. Uh, you know, I'm used to traveling a lot. So I have a, a go bag pretty much ready at all times. Uh, I know I have a, a couple of classes at the, uh, the judo studio in the afternoon. So I... Make sure to head over there. Let the uh, parents know that we'll be closed for the weekend, unfortunately. And then there's a an old, uh, a lovely old lady uh, that lives next door. Her name is uh, is Kathy, and uh, her and Duke have have you know gotten to know each other pretty well. Uh, so I asked if she can she can watch Duke for hopefully just the next couple of days, uh, and that I'll be then I'll be back soon, um, and found a flight for, uh, for that night from uh, sort of a, a red eye, I guess you could say, getting me from, from San Diego up to, uh, to Sacramento.
0: Excellent. All right, so all three of you make your way uh, in, by various means to the Sacramento area. Wake up early in the morning and start your drive to Elk Grove and when you arrive at the address that was on the website, you find that it's a Denny's, a 24-hour Denny's, and so you go inside, you kind of look around, there aren't very many people there, and there's really only one person uh, that looks like she could possibly uh, be the person that you're looking for. She is uh, dressed in a a, a crisp uh, business suit and is just sitting, uh, eating, a plate of eggs and drinking a cup of coffee. She, uh, she's a white woman, uh, looks to be late 30s, early 40s, brown hair, blue eyes, very tall and a pretty imposing figure uh, even just sitting down because um, she, looks, she looks in perfect physical uh, condition, looks like she could probably beat any of you up and is wearing this kind of crisp business suit. And so the three of you kind of make your way over the, to the table at different times uh, and actually, Portia and, and Sonny, when you see each other, um, it's been about 10 years or so, uh, but you recognize each other because you were actually at the farm during your respective CIA and DIA training together. Do either of you acknowledge that or have any reaction to that?
2: So I coolly, not unfriendly, but coolly say Sonny. It's been a while. Nod and then sit at the table.
3: Yeah, I think I recognized Portia immediately um, when I when I pulled into the parking lot, and, uh, and yeah, very happy to see uh, a familiar face. So yeah, say say hi, give a a uh, quick little hug, and uh, sit down together.
0: All right. So the three of you sit down, and the uh, the woman sitting there. Kind of looks at you and says, don't bother to order anything. We're going to make this quick. Uh, I'm Special Agent Kimberly Trollvane with the FBI. Um, And then she kind of lowers her voice and says, and also I will be your handler for this program engagement. Uh, In a small town in Death Valley called Hellbend, there were two deaths recently. seven, Seven to eight weeks apart, same type of injuries. The first death was ruled a bizarre accident. Uh, before the second death happened. But then after the second death, the the injuries were similar enough that uh, both deaths were ruled possible homicides. The details were flagged to us, I'm I'm not sure why, uh, but my boss wants us to look into this. Uh, And so we called for each of you. Portia and Sunny, the two of you have been assigned to this as FBI consultants to investigate. You're set to meet with Agent Slotkin Uh, Later this morning, you'll need to go quickly to make sure that you make your 10 o'clock appointment. And Ben, you're obviously not officially assigned on this case uh, with the FBI, but you are uh, on this case with the program. And so you'll need to do whatever you can to work with your partners here without making it look like the FBI and the media are working together. All reports should come to me using these. And she slides each of you a burner phone and just be sure to remember your standing orders. And as she says standing orders, uh, all three of you immediately remember the training that you've been given with the program, which was brief but important, that your standing orders are one, stop the incursion of if there's anything unnatural, stop it, obscure the incursion, make sure that no one knows about it, obscure program involvement, Make sure that no one knows that the program exists or that it had anything to do with what was going on here. Secure advanced technologies. So if there's anything alien or unnatural, make sure that it's secured and given to program representatives. And the fifth priority, as as you are able, is to save lives. Do any of you have any questions for Special Agent Trollvane uh, before she heads out and you all head out?
2: would it make sense to ask if other people are un- involved, or like how many other people know about this?
0: Yeah, you, you could ask that, and she would say she doesn't have a lot of details on the case, and that, and that especially for the two FBI consultants, you'll be briefed more fully by the special agent in charge of the case, and then you can pass that information along securely, of course, to Ben.
1: Ben wants to know if he should come up with some sort of a either a cover story or a, an alternative profession, uh, so as not to, ap- so as not to appear that the, that the media is, is now, you know, involved in, and in working with, um, government agencies.
0: Uh, she says that she leaves the details up to you, um, but that it's a, it's a small town so that. You know, it, it, it shouldn't be difficult for the three of you to meet up without really being watched, and that they lean on your particular brand of expertise to decide whether a story needs to be published, and that of course if you publish a story that it fully obscures anything you find there um, and the involvement of anything called the program or anything that might exist, like some sort of secret governmental organization like this one um, and so she leaves it to your judgment on whether or not you think something needs to be published a counter story or whether it's just kind of left alone
3: I guess my only question I, I mean, no offense to Ben but is there a reason we we need a journalist with us someone to you know possibly draw attention to what we're getting into
0: I think that you'll find that Ben is particularly well suited to, support in covering up anything that is uh that anything you might find there i think you'll find it easier to have someone on the other side quote unquote to make sure that everyone believes that nothing too terribly strange or at least unnatural happened. i guess that makes sense what is uh what does sunny think of that
3: i think he's just worried of any of any uh unwanted attention on himself uh and on, and on the program, and uh, and yeah, maybe doesn't need a, a journalist asking I I don't know asking too many questions about uh, about himself either. Gotcha, gotcha. But he uh, you know he understands the importance of uh, of intel and information, so he's happy to have a, an expert along with him.
0: Any other questions uh, before? You know, she she looks eager to to go.
2: Um, should we? Are we expected to be reporting any, anything to Kimberly, or is it once we've left here we don't really? Did she already say that?
0: Yeah, no, she didn't. Um, you know, she she did say that um, that you know you should. She said that details should be flat or should uh, should be sent to her through those burner phones. Um, anything you need to share with her, but you would also know that protocol is it's kind of left up to agents to decide when and what needs to be shared. It could be. You know, if you need to call in, if you have questions or need to call in support, it might be more frequent. It could just be things have been taken care of at the end, right? Like it, it, it could be like that also. Now, if you were to find anything, any sort of kind of alien technology or anything like that, you would be expected to let them know so that it could be confiscated by a team. Okay. You know, you're not supposed to be like running around with anything that. Uh, you're not supposed to like you know take anything like that for yourself
2: so kimberly is she said she's an fbi handler she's also in delta green but we're getting more delta green info later
0: no this this is your delta green info that you're getting more fbi info later
2: oh 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 okay yeah that that was my question thank you
0: yeah no, no problem so yeah she is she is your delta green handler um you were you were yeah you were you were uh hired as a consultant by a different FBI agent. Um, though she is also an FBI agent.
2: Glad I asked that question. That's much clearer. <laughs> Thank <okay>.
0: you. <laughs> okay. um, so does that all make sense? And any like outside of your characters? Any like any other questions that you, as players, have before um, before the end of this briefing? This Denny's is the quote unquote opera house. Is that correct? It's the box. It's the box office. Yeah, and you would all know that like a night at the opera is a is a kind of code phrase for a Delta Green Got operation. It.
2: So I guess we should talk about logistics, right? Like um, Sunny and I have another meeting to attend, and Ben does not. So do we? Are we discussing driving together? When are we all three meeting up again? Those are things we should figure out now. Yes.
0: Yeah. So Special Agent Trawayne leaves, but you three are free, of course, to to make those plans before heading out. Um, so you would also know that. Um, so you're in Sacramento, or you're ne- you're a little south of Sacramento. It's about four hours to Bakersfield, and then another three hours. Uh, another like, yeah, it's it's another like four or five hours from Bakersfield to Hellbend, and so. You know, the drive that any of you have ahead of you is, like, it's pretty significant. And at least two of you need to go to Bakersfield before anywhere else. But you would also know that you can't be, you can't show up to FBI headquarters with a journalist sitting in the backseat, so.
2: Yeah. Well, I guess we should first do introductions, right? So I'll kind of lean in and say, I'm Portia. Sunny and I, we've met before. And Ben, do you want to tell us a bit about yourself?
1: Sure. I pretty much, uh, let you know that, uh... I, you know, my day job is, is a journalist for the New York Times, um, based out of Portland, obviously have been um, involved in, uh, with Delta Green for a few years now. Um, my, I kind of explain that I have certain skills as a journalist that allows me to further my work with Delta Green, I'm able to uh, kind of shape a narrative around uh, things that I see. I'm, I'm kind of able to to obscure a, a story, a discovery, I'm kind of able to put my own spin on it. And, and you know, I obviously have a substantial uh, backing from, you know, being employed by one of the most prestigious papers. So, I'm you know, I'm kind of hoping to um, maybe ease some of Sonny's concerns about my involvement on this project.
2: And I think as, as I hear that, I like visibly kind of relax a little bit. I was quite nervous that this is Ben's first time at the opera and that that would require a lot of like guiding and maybe even some like protecting. So I'm like, okay,
1: you're cool. <laughs> I'm not an agent, but I believe I can hold my own.
0: Welcome to the team. And you are, you're not an FBI agent or a CIA agent, but you are a Delta Green agent, right? So like, you know, you, on on a mission like this, while you may have a different role to play, you know, you have as much kind of authority and mandate as either of the other two do.
3: Yeah, a bit surprised to, to hear that Ben has been with Delta Green for, for so long. Uh, already looking ahead to maybe the uh, the power dynamics of that and you know who's going to be in charge here ben you're good to get to hellbend on your own
1: yes my plan is to uh take the take the rental car uh, i've got unlimited miles on it so i will uh i will be going on my own i have uh, been uh given an assignment from my editor to um to look into some stuff in that area as well, so I'm going to uh, try to do that as best I can while, you know, still prioritizing this
3: assignment. Great. I think Portia and I should probably get going. And Portia, I don't, I don't know if you mind driving down together. It's a long drive.
2: Yeah, let's, let's do that. We could leave one car here.
0: The, uh, the FBI agent might wonder why you two arrive together since you don't. You aren't supposed to know that you're on this job together.
2: Oh, 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 right. They don't know that we had this meeting at the box office. Okay, I guess we could drive separately. (laughs) And I think we should discuss before we get there. um, Do we want this FBI agent to know that we know each other already or no? I mean, I guess we met at the farm, so it's not a crazy, you know, we met outside of Delta Green purposes.
3: Yeah, I'd say the less they, they know the better, but uh, maybe another uh, pleasant uh, pleasant, happy to see each other when we, when we run into each other again, maybe, Let's see.
0: All right, so the three of you head out um, in, in separate vehicles, though you know that you're all going to be converging on the same place. Where, um, where do you think you're headed? Ben. So, you know, you know that, you know, you know that the Delta Green case and um, the, you know, the, the lead that you have on the story are, you know, the same thing. It's these two murders that happened in Hellbend. Uh, also, based on your research, you know that the the investigating officers for the case would likely be, there's there's two possible places. So there's a, there's a, a sheriff's office outside of hellbend a very small sheriff's office outside of hellbend in a a town called furnace creek and then the primary sheriff's office county sheriff's office is in um, independence california which is kind of the the county seat of inyo county Um, and so those two those two office or like police stations are you know the the furnace the furnace creek one is a satellite station from the one in independence Um, but you also if you don't you know if your if your goal is to not is not necessarily to speak with the police first you know to kind of keep a low profile you could go right to hellbend and do something else
1: I probably want to check in with my editor and see if if he has any further information as far as um, whether there were uh, witnesses uh, or or civilians um, that that saw anything suspicious um with regards to these murders generally my strategy is to um to try to speak with people on the ground um and avoid alerting local law enforcement to my presence as a journalist when possible.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So yay, so you give your editor a call while you're on the road, you let him know that you're on the road. He tells you that um, the that the the person who called in the tip uh, it was an anonymous tip that was sent in, but the person gave two bits of information. One, the name uh, Jarvis Green, who was the person who found the first body, doesn't have any more information than that. Just the name Jarvis Green, the person that found the first body, and then the partner of the second uh, death um, is a woman named. Emily Warren, she and uh, the the second person who died lived together uh, in Hellbend. And so those would be two possible on-the-ground leads that you could follow up on. He also reminds you uh, that he would like to be kept in the loop on whether there's going to be a story and what that story is, um, you know, obviously for planning purposes.
1: Yeah, I let him know that, um, you know, it's still very early in the process, don't really know anything yet. Um, So generally I try to get to, to spend at least a day or more kind of gathering info before I can even determine, you know, whether there's anything to be written about. Uh, So I I take down uh, these names um, of Jarvis and Emily and I decide to, uh, I decide to look up Jarvis Green uh see where he lives and and you know whether I can get a hold of him um seems like he has an unlisted number so uh I, you know I I am able to find an address and decide that I'm going to um make him my first stop
0: sounds good yeah so um you know based on the the research that you do you know you're you're uh, you're clicking away on your on your phone as you're driving through the mountain deserts of uh of this area of California. Um, and really once you get outside of, of Sacramento, it's super hot, uh, it's very deserty, um, kind of mountains all around. The service you have is spotty, but there aren't that many cars on the road, so you're kind of like looking things up as you drive. You find not a lot of information about Jarvis Green. Seems to be a relatively new resident of Hellbend. Looks like maybe he attended SUNY Albany for a little while um, from upstate New York. But he now he now operates the the Gas and Sip, which is like really the only the only thing in Hellbend worth noting. Um, He operates the Gas and Sip, uh, which seems to be owned by his uh, his grandfather, whose name is Montgomery Green. And again, just based on kind of cursory research, it seems like Montgomery Green might be like in his late 90s. Um, so a very old man who owns this gas and sip, and it's his grandson that is kind of Operating it for the time being. What do you think is going through Ben's head on his, you know, five or six hour drive? You know, you're doing research, you're thinking about your, you know, what you want to ask, but like, you know Where, where is he at kind of um, in terms of his his feelings on this case and and just the, the operation itself and working with these two uh, other agents?
1: I think generally, Ben is a pretty skeptical person he's obviously seen quite a bit, um, you know, from from the, the few Delta Green assignments that he's had in the past. So he's well aware of kind of um, the, the weird, the dark, the evil, but he's also had many assignments for the paper where, you know, he's kind of gone in thinking there's going to be... You know something really big going on, and and has almost been let down. Um, you know to find, you know there's there's not really much out of the ordinary. So at this point, I think he's just um, just a little unsure of of whether this actually is um, you know something something big and and something weird, or, or whether this is you know just just so happens to be some. Um, some, some small town murders.
0: Gotcha. Um, and then what about the two of you, uh, Portia and Sonny, you know, as you're making the drive down to Bakersfields about three hours, what are some of the thoughts that are going through each of your heads? I think having a, a few
3: flashbacks to, uh, to being at the farm with Portia and just, you know, remembering what, what she was like a little bit. Um, and then, just, uh, I think uh, again, kind of excited and wondering for for what's ahead. Um, I think Sunny, I've only had uh, you know one Delta Green mission uh, before uh, under my belt. So, as maybe skeptical as I am uh, of working with a journalist, I'm intrigued by working with someone who who has that much uh, Delta Green. Experience and background, and maybe knows a bit more about the the what do we want to call it the the supernatural, the unknown, the unexplainable uh, than I do, and maybe might be able to to answer some some questions that I have of my own about about my experiences with all of that. So uh, I'll keep that to the chest for now, but. uh, Am, am happy to to have been on the team um, and then I think while while I'm driving down there uh, since I know we're probably getting into uh, some maybe some some unreachable areas uh, and maybe uh, a bit uh, bit hyper focused for the next few days on this this case uh, I take a second to uh, to send a text to my to my ex-wife uh, Audrey just a picture of the the Sun sunrise that I took on the beach this morning, quick little message, just, uh, you know, doing okay out here, uh, kind of thing. And, uh, and then, yeah, trying to get to Bakersfield as quickly as you can.
0: What about you, Portia?
2: Sure. So on the drive is working just to kind of index through her own emotions and feelings as she often does and make sure that everything is set. Um, is, can't avoid thinking about as she always does, when thinking about Delta Green, her own knowledge and experience with the supernatural. Um, her colleagues certainly don't know this, and she isn't planning to tell um, either Ben or Sunny, but she's you know, known about the super- supernatural her whole life and seen how it can affect people. So she feels definitely like a personal motivation to be protecting others from it. So that, as always, is kind of forefront in her mind. She's inspired and motivated to work, um, is happy, I guess. I don't know if happy is the right word, but is happy to be sharing her efforts and intelligence and expertise with Delta Green, um, feels more called to that work than her work at the DIA. So probably you know sends a text, checks in, makes sure her mom's okay. And then also reaches out to um, her boss at DIA, Robert Ashley, and just lets him know that she's kind of ahead of schedule on her projects anyways um has been called for a consulting job is still reachable but um you know if she's not working for a few days on her projects she's already gotten ahead so they should be good to go
0: and does portia have any reaction to seeing uh sunny for the first time in you know 10 12 years
2: not a super strong one um doesn't have a ton of connections with other people is you know Happy to see a familiar face. Uh, I guess probably we'll have some questions when they have some time, if they have a drive together or something, of how long he's been working with Delta Green and, you know, curiosity about what his career path has been in the past 10 years, but doesn't have a strong interpersonal reaction to it.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So, um, you know, you all continue your drives. The service does start to get super spotty. Um, and so you're not, you know, it's, you're not really receiving text messages or phone calls or anything like that until you kind of get into Bakersfield and Portia and Sonny arrive at the FBI offices in Bakersfield and you check in, you know, you put on a little show of, of seeing each other for the first time in 10 years. And then you're ushered into a conference room uh, and you wait there for a few minutes before a man comes in. He looks more like a military man than what you might expect out of uh, an FBI agent. He's got really close, close cropped hair um, that's kind of graying. He's kind of a he's very broad, kind of a big, um, stocky, not super tall guy, and looks like he looks like he means business for sure. Uh, comes in, sits down, and says, uh, "Thank thank you, uh, thank you both for coming." Uh, appreciate you taking the time and accepting our call to consult on this case. We actually want the two of you to serve as the lead agents on this case for us. It, I'll get to get to that in a minute. So on March 5th, about two months ago, the body of a man named Clifford Porter, a 53-year-old white male, was found mutilated near the ruins of an old electronics plant in Hellbend, California, uh, kind of run-down, old, old, tiny town. He was lying near a bobcat, uh, heavy machinery um, that he had rented, uh, and the bobcat was splashed with blood, but the coroner ruled the death a bizarre accident. About seven weeks later, on April 24th, a woman named Lucille Mayer, 36-year-old white female, was reported missing by her partner, Uh, A search was formed by the the small amount of folks that are in that area. didn't turn anything up. Uh, But two weeks later, uh, which was two days ago, a sheriff's deputy found her body a few miles out into the desert. Uh, The buzzards were picking at it when he found it. That's actually what alerted him to her presence. And when the coroner looked her over, the injuries were similar enough to Potter's death that the coroner ruled it a possible homicide and changed potters to a possible homicide as well both deaths took place on national park land in death valley national park and so they fall under fbi jurisdiction and i'll be honest with you the inyo county sheriff's department they're way out of their league on something like this they don't ever deal with murders and certainly not two murders with a with a similar mo um and so that's why we decided to get involved but I'll be honest, I'm a little nervous about this case. It's a small town. Everyone knows everyone, and people talk, obviously. Not to mention that it's an area ripe with people to willing to believe any sort of conspiracy theory. We need to keep this quiet. You're not going undercover, but you can't go in on a power trip, or we're really gonna have a mess on our hands. So, you need to go in low-key. And that's why we call the two of you in. None of my agents Again, if I'm being honest, really know how to go in low-key. And I don't, I, I don't even know whether the, the locals will be willing to talk to feds, but you know, I think the two of you have as good a chance as anyone to get people to trust you. But remember to tread carefully, and God help you if the media gets involved. We can't have a media circus on our hands around this case. I'm afraid that even the national media might get involved with a, a town this small with a serial killer running around. So, you know, just just be just be cautious. Make sure you're not stirring up too much trouble and make sure you get everyone to understand the, the need to keep things quiet. Your first stop uh, on the way to Hellbend will be to the Inyo County Sheriff's Office in Independence, California. Um, it's, a, it's about two hours outside of Hellbend. It's on your way from here. And you'll find the sheriff and the sheriff's deputy there. Uh, the sheriff is the person uh, in charge of the case from the sheriff's office. And the deputy is actually the one that found the second body, the body of Lucille Mayer uh, And the coroner, The coroner is also located in, in Independence there. And so you'll be able to speak to him if you'd like to as well. Let me know if you have any questions. I'll want daily updates on this um, to make sure that I'm keeping abreast of everything that's going on and make sure that nothing is, is leaking out. Uh, what questions do you have?
3: Um, I guess my first question, um, I mean, two potential homicides in in a matter of two months in such a small town like this. Has anything like this ever happened before out here? You know, as far back as you, as you can remember?
0: I've never seen anything like this in this area. And to be honest, at the Bakersfield FBI office here, we don't deal with a lot of murders ourselves. We deal with a lot of white collar crime. Um, located so close to the, B- the Bay Area. I've never seen anything like this in this area. And, you know, you're right to think that it's strange uh, that two murders happened, two possible murders happened in such a small town in such quick succession. That's part of why I'm so worried about it.
3: Any idea on the sort of the mood or the, the talk around the town right now? If people started, I don't know, you said there's it's full of conspiracy theories. Any, any theories running around there right now?
0: only rumors at this point. You know, some of the local gossips are saying weird things about government conspiracies or, you know, maybe, you know, in this part of the world, we get a lot of talk about aliens, you know, maybe something with aliens. Um, But it's not too much right now. Not a lot has been reported in the media at this point. And the if the sheriffs have done one thing well at this point, it's that they've kept things relatively under wraps. So you know, not a lot is known, I don't think, in town, about the murders other than those who who most immediately knew the victims.
3: Yeah, I guess, speaking of that, anything else you can tell us about Clifford and, and Lucio? Anything strange or unusual, or were they, you know, just normal members of the that small town?
0: We haven't had any agents go out and interview the sheriffs yet or anyone else in the town, so we don't have a lot more information, though they certainly should. Gotcha.
2: question I have is, you know, obviously the two of us have been specifically called in for this case. Um, at least my background, Sunny, I'm not sure yours, but often go in undercover with a different story. And especially in this town, if they're not super willing to talk to feds is what support can the agency give us if we're going in undercover?
0: I don't recommend going in undercover in this case though. You know, obviously you need to do what you think is best. The, the, sheriff's office and the coroner are expecting the two of you as FBI consultants and so certainly with them um this is all above board and very official you know we brought you in not because we're we're trying to hide our investigation but because we're trying to keep control on the situation and so you know you don't have to you don't have to lie to anyone necessarily but we do want to make sure you know this is an this is an official FBI investigation we need to make sure that Anything we do is legally binding and can be prosecuted in court as needed. We just want to make sure that this case is handled tactfully and with people who know how to make sure that things don't get out of hand and that's why we brought the two of you in.
3: I think we can handle that.
0: So if there are, uh, aren't are any other questions, uh, just you know, make sure you keep me in the loop um and he gives you his his uh the number that he can his direct line that he can be reached on uh we have a we have an SUV parked out front that the two of you can take uh it's it's equipped with some standard issue FBI gear and feel free to let me know if there's anything you need again i appreciate the two of you coming on for this case and i i can't stress enough how how important it is to make sure that this case is is handled well and thoroughly uh but so that so that nothing gets too out of hand. We don't want a national story on our hands.
2: Certainly. I would, you know, give him a reassuring kind of sense on the way out. Act calm, cool, collected, like this is something, you know, I'm taking seriously, but also not something that's surprising or scary to me. I guess at this point, Sonny, we do drive together, yes?
3: Yeah, I think I think that's the plan.
2: Well, slot can take care of the rental cars that we've arrived in or is that something we need to do
0: no he'll 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 take care of them for you so as the two of you are heading out to the car you know you like i said the service had been spotty for a little while and sunny you look down at your phone and you see that you have a voicemail
3: uh yeah i tell uh tell Porsche to go ahead and uh get settled in the car um and i'll be there in just a minute i kind of walk off to the edge of the parking lot and, uh, and go ahead and listen to it.
0: So you uh, you click the voicemail and start listening, and it's from Audrey. Um, and she says, Sonny, I, I can't believe that you sent me that text this morning. I I was just thinking about you. I, w- I was going to call when it got a little later. I'm actually I'm going to be in San Diego tomorrow um, for a couple of days. I was wondering if you wanted to To get breakfast or something um it's okay if you don't want to uh but i just thought since i was going to be around it might be nice to to catch up and, and to see you uh but anyways um no big deal if not just uh just give me a call and let me know and that is actually where we're going to end our story for right now
2: This podcast was published by Arrangement with the Delta Green Partnership. The intellectual property known as Delta Green is a trademark and copyright owned by the Delta Green Partnership, who has licensed its use here. The scenario Future Perfect is copyright Dennis Detwiller, and the contents of this podcast are copyright Nature of My Game podcast, excepting those elements that are the components of the Delta Green intellectual property. Our intro music was composed and produced by Jean-Luc Bouchard. You can find more information about the Nature of My Game podcast at NOMGpodcast on Twitter and Instagram or at NOMGpodcast.com.